Thanks, guys. You know, the Bible says give honor where honor is due, and these guys have been here most of them since 7 o'clock this morning. Happy sick. Can we give it up for our band? Thank you, guys. The crud is going around. How many of you have been sick or know somebody that's sick? It's like, wow, it's everywhere. I think it's terrorism. It's plague. That's what I'm sure. But yeah, I'm glad you guys are here today. Thanks for being a part of our service. And we're going to be in our part seven today of our 50 Days of Transformation. One more week. We'll wrap it up next, uh, next weekend, Thanksgiving weekend. And I'm excited about what we're going to do within our grand finale. Today we'll be in Matthew chapter 25. You've got your Bible, your Bible app open up to Matthew 25. We'll get there in just a bit. I'm going to ask the ushers to come. We're going to take our offering right now. And uh, again, I want to thank you. If uh, this is your church, for partnering with us, for being a part of what God is doing here at East Point, for your generosity and faithfulness, thank you guys. And if you're a guest today, please don't be obligated to give. Just let the, this service be our gift to you. Um, two years ago, I had a uh, young woman come up to me. She's probably at 30-something. And she said, uh, Pastor Kurt, I don't know how to ask this. I'm kind of embarrassed. I don't want to sound too pushy. But uh, what are you talking about next Sunday? And I smiled and I told her. And I said, well, you know, is that okay? And she sighed. Oh, yeah, I'm so glad I've invited my husband to come, and I was praying you weren't talking about money. Well, uh, for some of you, this is your first time at East Point today, or you uh, have been invited by a friend or a spouse, and today's topic, we're talking about money. Uh, this series that we've been in is all about transformation and health, and you can't talk about transformation and, and health without talking about financial health. We have to look at this issue. Now, if you know me, you've been around here, I guarantee you, we don't twist arms, we don't manipulate, we don't force people I just told you if you're a guest, don't feel even obligated to give. So, and I talk about money maybe two, three times a year out of 52 weeks. That's not too often. But what you need to know is that Jesus spoke about this issue. He talked about money and possessions actually quite a bit. Half of the parables that Jesus told, and we're going to take a look at one of them today, I had to do with the issue of money. In fact, Jesus talked more about money and possessions than he did about heaven and hell. Why? Why did Jesus deal with this? Well, because all he wanted was our money. No, that's not why. He did it because he knows the power of money in our lives. See, we all have this love-hate relationship with money. We love it when we have a lot and hate it when we don't have a lot. We don't really like uh, when people talk about money, but we do want to talk about money. But Jesus understood that it can dominate our lives. He gets that, that it's one of those things that can be used for good or evil. And he knew that we, and that includes me, we spent a lot of time thinking about uh, money, working for it, earning it, investing it, spending it, and sometimes wasting it. We uh, have a lot to do with this issue of money and resources in our lives. Jesus knew that, and that's why he addressed it. So let me be clear. Money matters to you. I get that. But it matters to God, too. And you know why? Because you matter most to him. The reason why Jesus addresses is because he loves you, and he doesn't want you to be bound by or confused about anything, let alone the issue of money. Matthew 25, there's a series of parables Jesus told in Matthew chapter 24 and 25, a whole bunch of them. And most of them had to do with the kingdom, the coming of the kingdom, the second coming. Uh, Jesus talked a lot about the kingdom of God. And this one has to do with a, a parable of, of a master and some servants. Let's pick it up, Matthew 25, verse 14. Again, meaning this is another parable. It'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Uh, if you have an old Bible, old version, it might say talent. Um, it, a bag of gold, or the talent that's referred to here, worth about 20 years of income. This is a big deal. He gave these guys a lot to be responsible for. Verse 16, um, uh, verse 17. So also the one with, uh, where am I at? Yeah, verse 16. The man who had received five bags of gold went out at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. 
Verse 17, so also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Verse 19, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and to settle accounts with them. And the man who had received five bags of gold brought, uh, brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrust me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Verse 22, the man with two bags of gold came, also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful to a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Verse 24, then the man who had received one bag of gold came and said, Master, he said, I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seeds. So I was afraid. And I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. A little dirty, but here it is nonetheless. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then, you should have put your money on deposit with the banker, so at least when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. And Jesus goes on. Yeah, this is just one of the parables where Jesus talks about money and possessions. And there's a multitude of things we could talk about from this. I'm gonna land on two things. Two things that will help us understand how to find and experience financial health. I've never met anybody, ever, who doesn't want to have financial health. Nobody says, my life goal is to be bankrupt. My life goal is to miserably manage money. We all want financial health. So I'm gonna give you a couple things from this passage we can land on. Here's number one. Understand, <clears throat> excuse me, understand that everything you have is an entrusted gift from God that belongs to him. One of the things we've got to understand, and this is, in fact, important to your financial health, is that you understand who the owner is. Understand that everything you have is entrusted, is an entrusted gift from God that belongs to him. Verse 14, again, it would be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth, his wealth to them. It wasn't their wealth, it was the owner's wealth, and it was simply entrusted to them meaning it was delegated to them, assigned to them as managers. The old word in the old King James, stewards. But managers, they were not owners. You know, the truth is, there are a lot of Christ followers who are simply uninformed. One of the reasons why I talk about this a couple times a year is because we need to understand what the Bible teaches, what God has to say about this issue. And a lot of Christ followers are uninformed. They think that, they, that money is something they've earned, something they deserve, something that they've worked hard for, and therefore it all belongs to them. But the Bible says something very different. The Bible says in Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And by the way, this isn't just one verse picked out of thousands. This is a consistent theme. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it belongs to him. That means that we are only managers of what we have. As a Christ follower, I want to take care of everything God's given to me, the financial resources. I want to take care of the earth. I want to do my best because this is something God has entrusted to us. And the truth is, we really don't own a thing. One of my first jobs, in fact, I turned 16 years old, and my dad told me, you're, you're 16, go get a job, boy. And I went out and applied at Alpha Beta Grocery Store in Southern California. And I worked there. In fact, I was a journeyman clerk before I graduated from high school. Not a good idea. It means I worked way too many hours. But one of the old guys that worked at the store, his name was Bud. Bud had been there forever. I mean, like 25, 30 years. And uh, Bud was a great guy. I liked him. Very personable easy to get along with. Didn't work very hard. I guess he figured I'd been there 30 years. I didn't have to work that hard. But the other thing that Bud did that was not smart was Bud would occasionally help himself to food without paying for it. Uh, he did that during breaks, and then he would take cases of stuff home. And a, a lot of guys knew what he was doing, but he would take cases of food, sometimes dented stuff, or cases of beer home. 
Well, in his mind, it was a perk. I've lived, I've worked my, you know, my entire life here. I've practically lived at this job, and this is just one of the benefits I get because I've been here so long. Unfortunately, the, the company, Alpha Beta, did not see it that way, and they fired him because they considered what he was doing stealing. And he was. Why? Because he was taking something that did not belong to him. It belonged to the company. Listen carefully. We've been entrusted with a gift from God. Everything we have is an entrusted gift from him. And the sooner we figure that out, then the better it will be. The better it will affect how we view and spend and invest the money that we have from him. Jesus, uh, on a regular basis, schooled his disciples on this issue of money. And on a regular basis, he pushed the Pharisees' buttons regarding it as well. And he made some bold and very, very uh, challenging statements. One of them is found in Luke 14, 33. And if you're a Christ follower, you need to listen to this. Jesus said this, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. And again, there's a the consistent theme. It doesn't belong to you. You've gotta give it all up. You've gotta relinquish it to me. In the Old Testament, in Haggai 2, verse eight, says the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. Again, consistently taught throughout Old and New Testament. And if you're a Christ follower, you need to understand that though salvation is a free gift of God's grace, you can never earn it, that it will cost you everything to follow Jesus. Jesus said you gotta give up everything to follow me. As his disciples, everything we have belongs to him is to be used for him. Let me say it again. Everything we have belongs to him and is to be used for him. It all came from God and all belongs to God. All right, that's challenging, I admit that. But how does that understanding uh, help us find and experience financial health? Well, when you and I see that what we have is a gift to be managed, key word there is managed. When we understand that what we have has been given to us as a gift from God, and our role is to manage it as a manager or steward, then that has potential to radically change our lives. It'll change the way we view what we have. It'll change the way we use what we have. In fact, and here's the next bullet in your outline, Money is not supposed to be a tyrant, but a tool to be used for God's purposes. Money is not supposed to be a tyrant, and too often we are controlled by it. Where It's not supposed to be a tyrant. It is to be a tool used for God's purposes. Dave Ramsey says, manage what you have, don't let, don't let money manage you. And again, it's the idea is we are to take care of what God has entrusted to us. The Bible teaches that we're to use money and love people. Use money and love people, not love, people, not love money and use people. And again, Bottom line for me on this is that I'm, I'm gonna unapologetically suggest that the best way to use our money, and the best way to love people is to use it to advance the kingdom of God and to bring as many people with us into relationship with him as we possibly can. I want you to just think for a minute about the, the, their last day on planet Earth, that, last, that moment you take your last breath here in this Earth suit and that instant that you're in the presence of God. Now, you might think it's kind of morbid, actually for us who love Jesus, that's gonna be a great moment. Un unbelievably great moment for us. But I want you to imagine now you're standing in the presence of God and, and, and all the saints who've gone before you. How many people are gonna be standing there clapping and cheering you on, saying, man, we look forward to meeting you. We're so glad that you're here. In fact, we're here because you invested in the kingdom of God, because you invested your time, energy, and money. How many will be there applauding your presence because you manage God's resources well? Are you using what's been entrusted to you for eternal purposes? Guys, that's a big deal. And as frustrated as people get with me on this, the Bible's so clear on this that I don't make any apology for the fact that we are entrusted with something from God to be used for God. And how are you doing on that? And is anybody going to be in heaven because of you? And will you hear what the two good servants heard? Verse 21, where it says, well done, good and faithful servant. 
Your chances of a well done are far better when you understand that what you have is his and you'll learn to manage God's financial resources with godly principles. You know, like few other topics, the reason why I know how difficult this is because this is a heart issue for a lot of us. In fact, truly, it's a heart issue for most of us. Our hearts and our money are powerfully linked. They're spiritually linked. And again, Jesus knew that. And if we're heart sick, it's often because we're money sick. Often, it's because there's something going on with our understanding here. And money matters because it's what we do with reflects what's here in our hearts and it shows whether we understand our role as managers of God's resources or not. Wednesday afternoon, I finish up this talk, finish my notes, just about to send off to the staff to get things ready for this weekend. And uh, my daughter sends me a video that, that's uh, my grandson. Yesterday was National Adoption Day, and I just want to applaud all of those of you who have adopted. Uh, many of our staff members have adopted kids. And my grandson is an adopted uh, part of our family, part of our forever family. I love him deeply. And Caleb's six years old, and he uh, grabbed his mom. That's to happen Wednesday. Mom, I need you to record me. I've got something I have to say. And uh, I, this is just about one minute, but let's watch this together. Well, God gives, he gives everything. Your food, the home, your home, the earth, everything. Every, the world, everything belongs to God. It doesn't belong to us, it, be, it belongs to God. And God is good. God is great. So, I want to hand out this message to all. I want to be a missionary who travels around all the world. And that this is the whole God's earth. This is my greatest news. A savior has been born, so I want to hand out this verse to you. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is good, because this is everything you need to know. Until now, bye-bye. Totally unscripted, not primed by mom. She had no idea what I was talking about. And I could not, I don't believe in coincidences. I thought, I gotta show that. Now, of course, he's all over the map. We got Christmas in there. We got obey your parents. But I love the first part. We don't own anything. Six years old, and he's figured that out already. I'm pretty sure he's gonna be a fourth generation preacher. His great grandfather, grandfather, uh, me and his dad are all preachers. So, but the point is, God owns it all. You know, I had a guy in our church come to me about eight, nine years ago after service, and he was livid. And I'm, I'm fairly perceptive. You know, when people come up, and I, I can tell when they're not happy with me. And he got on my face, and he just said, you know, I'm so sick and tired of you talking about money. If you do it one more time, I'm leaving this church. I was shocked, to be honest with you, because he's been a part of our church for a while. He was a good guy. I liked him. He served here on a regular basis. I said, dude, what's up? I said, and I tried to respond rather than react. I said, do you feel like I'm preaching heresy? No. I said, do you know how often I teach about this? He said, not that often, but too often for me. And I said, I, said, I, I don't really know what to say. And he said, well, what you need to know is that my money is my business and I don't want to hear about it anymore. Then it hit me. That's when it hit me. He had a false belief about ownership. From his perspective, what he had was his to own, not simply his to manage under God's control. 
Let me say it one more time, jot it down if you're taking notes. God owns everything, we own nothing. And if you wanna experience financial health, you've gotta start right there. It's not mine. And so what, you're not gonna be as tempted to blow it and to waste it and to, to do stupid things with it when you realize, no, it belongs to him and I've been simply entrusted with it as a gift from God. Here's the second thing, let's move on, number two. Second thing I want us to consider. We must learn to live in faith rather than fear. We've gotta to learn to live in faith rather than fear. Verse 24, then the man who'd received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew you are a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathered, where you've not scattered seed. Verse 25, here it is. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. This third person in the story here was bound by fear. See, not only do we have an ownership challenge, an ownership issue, we frequently have a fear problem as well. We refuse to trust God, to relinquish control to God because we really don't believe that he'll take care of us. Many are familiar with this passage from Proverbs. It's probably one of the most famous from Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six, where it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. It's an awesome passage and one that challenges us to trust in God with all our heart to not lean on our own ability to figure things out to, to our own rational. Well, that doesn't make sense. I don't understand. But we trust in him. We believe in him. And then the promise is God will get you where you need to be. He will make your path straight. What you may not know is and in this context, in fact, just a couple of verses down from this, here's what it says. In fact, this is, it's this week's memory verse if you've been a part of the Transform uh, Life Group during the season. Here's the memory verse for this week. It's found in Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled with overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Now, most of us are not farmers. We don't have barns. We don't even know what a vat is. And uh, the idea of being filled to overflowing, we get that, we like that. But the point here in this verse nine and 10 is that we're to honor God. And we demonstrate that honor by our first fruits. What does that mean? It means we give to God first. We don't give him our leftovers. First fruits means he gets his. And before I take care of anything else, before I take care of my car payment, before I take care of my house payment, before I take care of whatever I gotta do, I'm, I put God priority, first and foremost. Jesus taught this in Matthew 6, by the way. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And in that context, he says, and then everything else will be taken care of for you. I wanna suggest to you that our ability to honor God with our giving has everything to do with our choice to trust him with our lives. Let me say that again. Your ability to honor God with your giving has everything to do with your ability, your choice, to trust him with your lives. Some struggle with giving and generous sacrifice because they live in terror, in terror of the unknown, fear. And they live without faith and trust in the goodness and faithfulness of God. They live in the what if world. What if I lose my job? What if the economy goes south? What if my retirement gets blown up? What if there's no social security? What We live gripped with the what if fear, and so we hoard and we hang on. And I'm just gonna say gently, as gently as I can, but as clearly as I can, that's the opposite of faith in God. That is a reaction to fear rather than putting our confidence and our hope in him. And that fear consumes you and it robs you of the joy of adventure, of trust. Let me say something to you that you, somebody's gonna go, ah, whatever. But I promise you this. You wanna live an adventure in following Jesus? Some of you, and I, I'm not thinking of any of you, I'm not looking at any of you, I'm not thinking about you. But some of you, think 
following Jesus is kind of boring, and it's not a lot of adventure. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I do my thing, I show up at church, but man, there's, it's like, I'd much rather play golf or go fishing or do anything because there's just not much of this adventure to following Jesus. Guys, that is exactly the opposite of what Jesus said he wanted for us. The exact opposite of what I've experienced in 40 plus years of being a Christ follower. I've lived in adventure, and you know why? Because I've trusted him, and I'm not tooting my own horn. I'm just saying, when I haven't trusted him, I go, oh crap, that sucks. That didn't look good, I don't like that. That didn't work out very well. But when I step across the line of fear, and I step into the realm of, oh God, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give control to you, I'm gonna trust in you, then that's where we experience the adventure, the abundant life, John 10, 10, that Jesus has for you and me. It's found right here. It's in the realm of trust. If you're investigating Christianity, you're not yet a Christ follower, and one of your big excuses has been, well, all the church wants is my money. Listen, that ain't true. What we want is your heart. What God wants is your heart. And we know, because God knows, that your heart and your money are linked together. But I'm telling you, if you wanna experience the adventure of following Jesus, you've gotta trust him in every area of your life. A few years ago, a young woman emailed me, and she told me a story, and I almost thought about just pulling an email out and reading it to me. Let me tell you the, the highlights. She was having a problem with one of her teeth, and it was a big deal. It was a, and she had she was a single mom working two jobs, didn't have dental coverage, didn't have money, couldn't take care of it. Was, she said in the email, I, I'm, I was looking forward to my tax return because I knew it would get just enough to probably take care of my tooth. But then we started, actually it was a building campaign for this room that, that you're sitting in right now. And I presented a challenge to people, hey, pray about what God wants you to do. That's all I ever ask you guys to do. Pray about what God wants you to do. She prayed, and she felt like the Lord said, I want you to give all, all of your tax return to this project at East Point. Give it all away. She argued with God. She said, for several days I argued with God, but God, I got a bad tooth, and that money's gonna fix my tooth, and I don't have dental insurance, and this isn't right, God, and she argued. And finally, she came to the point where she said, okay, God, I'm gonna trust you. It was within a couple of days. The sure enough, the IRS refund came in the mail. She looked at it for about one second. She thought, mm-hmm. But then she said, nope, I've made a commitment. I'm just gonna give this away. I'm gonna trust Jesus. And that Sunday, she wrote a check for the entire amount that she'd received from the IRS as her tax refund and gave it to East Point. Now, I read that and I was blessed. I thought, here's a single mom working two jobs, trusting Jesus to take care of her. But it was the PS that just blessed me to death. There was a PS that I, I literally stood up in my chair and I started shouting. I, sometimes I do that at my computer. But this was a good shout. This is so awesome, this is so cool. I could like, I wanna tell this story. Because she said the very next day, Monday after she wrote the check, a friend calls her up, not knowing anything about what she went through, not knowing anything of her story, not knowing what she did in obedience and trust of God on Sunday. A friend called her and said, you know, uh, I heard some so said you've got a bad tooth. Uh-huh. Can, can you get it fixed? No. She said, I'm going to take you to the dentist and I'm going to pay for everything. And that's exactly what she did. And so she's writing me this email. <laughs> about how she trusted in Jesus. Single mom, two jobs, no money, no dental care. I trusted in him and God took care of her. This is the life of trust and faith that God invites us to live. This is the life. And you'll never outgive him. Guys, I could tell you literally, I'm not exact, thousand stories. Stories in my life, stories in our marriage, stories that I've heard time and time and t- in fact, just for fun, how many of you kind of have a God story like that where God showed up and did it? Raise your hand high. Look around the room. Half the room or more. Guys, a thousand times I could tell you God has showed up. You cannot give him. He takes care of you. And here's the next and last bullet in your outline. Trusting God is a path to financial health. 
Again, we're talking about financial health. First thing you gotta get figured out is who owns it. Because if I'm a manager, that changes my perspective. And then the second thing you gotta do is I'm not gonna walk and live in fear. I'm gonna trust in God and that that's the path to my financial health. How, why? Because that's where we discover the promise of Proverbs 3.10. The part that we kinda go, huh? This is where your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. When is then? When does that take place? When we trust and honor God. When we choose to put him first and his kingdom first and foremost in our lives. It's an invitation to step into a realm of incredible faith in God and to watch him do amazing things. The church, capital C, not just East Point, the church is the hope of the world. I believe that. We are far from perfect. We've got plenty of things that we mess up. History of the church, I know, believe me, I'm a student of history. I've read more church history than most of you even can imagine. And over 2,000 plus years, the church has made plenty of mistakes. I'm talking about the church, capital C, worldwide. But I can also tell you this, that the church has made more difference in the lives of billions than any other organism or organization on the face of the earth. The church has changed lives for eternity, has changed cities, has changed countries. The church, I've been in Kigali, Rwanda this last February, and the church there has literally made that the most healthiest, best country in the continent of Africa. Out of 54 countries on the continent of Africa, Rwanda is number one. You know why? Because of the church, because of the influence of the kingdom of God in that country has literally changed the face of that country. And God's doing amazing things all over the world. You saw the video in Guatemala. Again, I could tell you a, a story after story. I believe in the church and without apology and with boldness, I will always call you to serve. I will call you to go, I will call you to give, and I will do so without apology, because it's the church, it's this church that help, is helping people find and follow Jesus. In fact, I'm gonna finish this way. I wanna make this as practical as I can. It's about ownership, it's about trust. So what do I do with this? Well, pray. I, I want you to pray. Ask Jesus what he wants you to do. But I'm gonna give you one practical way that you can make a difference between now and even the end of the year. In the bulletin today, you got this uh, red envelope when it was handed out. If you didn't get it or you dropped, they're on the tables. It's our Christmas offering. We do this every year. We do different things. And this year, here's what the plan is. I just had a board meeting on Thursday. We still need to raise somewhere between fifty-five dollars and $60,000 to finish up our remodel project. I, I, most of you probably noticed the lobby's getting close. We've got some trim work and doors and other things that have to get done on the east side. The west side is not finished, and it's where the coffee bar, and we really want to do something that's nice and professional. And the electrical and the plumbing and all that's the most costly part of this project. We've put carpet on land. We've made differences in the floors. We've made improvements in our technical equipment, and we did all of this so far without going into debt and because of you. Thank you. Thank you. Many of you have given sacrificially already. Some of you have yet to do so, and I'm giving you an opportunity to pray about what God wants you to do and to, to and ask the Lord, you know, we need to raise, again, 55 to 60,000. That's a lot of money. There will be 650 to 750 adults here today at East Point. Break it down by the numbers. That's 70 to 80, 85 bucks a person. That's not outside the realm of the possible. It's still trusting God. But I'm gonna ask you to pray about what God wants you to do to help us. And then what we're gonna do is we're gonna take 10% of whatever we raise between now and the end of the year, and we're gonna give that away. We're gonna practice what we preach, and we're gonna give that away to missions as well. That's an opportunity that I'm giving to you guys. But let me wrap it up with this. If you understand that you're a manager, and if you understand God's call to trust in him, 
And if we do it collectively as a, as a church, as a community of faith, then we will do what God wants us to do and become what God wants us to become. And we'll continue to see lives change for him. One last story and I'm done. I'm not gonna give you her real name. I'm gonna call her Barb, not who she really is. She's still a part of our church. But to protect her identity and to just honor her, I, I don't wanna share her real name. But Barb goes to East Point. About three, four years ago now, um, she showed up at East Point. Uh, Barb's story is that she's a single mom. She's HIV positive. She was uh, uh, dealing with depression. In fact, she tried to commit suicide twice. Far from God, far from Jesus. I mean, think about a messed up person, and it would be her. Showed up here because a friend invited her. By the way, thank you for being bringers and includers. And Christmas is coming, guys, and we're gonna have the flyers, I think, next weekend. You have the opportunity to invite somebody to a place that could change their eternity. But one of you invited Barb to come, and she came to this point, and for three weeks, she came to East Point, and she sat on the back, and she said, as, as I find her, her story out later, she said, I cried the entire time. I thought I was having a nervous breakdown. I showed up, and I just wailed. I cried. I cried during worship. I cried during announcements. I cried during the message. I cried at the end. Now, nobody, some people cried during announcements, but I don't think for the same reason. But she just was moved. God was doing something. She didn't even know how to describe what was going on in her life. Three weeks, she's here, a mess, and she's not even sure what she's gonna do. She's crying the whole time. Week number four. <laughs> I'm about to lose it. Week four, she sews up. And that's the week she gave her life to Jesus. Now, everything didn't turn around in her life overnight, get perfect. She still has HIV. And a lot of things that still have to change in her life. But she found Jesus. And Jesus has begun to heal her heart and her life. And she's way, way better today than she ever has been in her entire life. Let me put it to you this way. You made that possible. You made that possible by what you do, by what you give, by your serving, whether it's on the worship team or, a, or an adventure land or in the lobby or making coffee, you make that possible. By what you give, it's you that made Barb's life and her conversion and her experience now with Jesus possible. And I wanna thank you for that. And I wanna ask you, what can we do more? What more can we do to reach even more? Barb, let me pray for you. Jesus, thank you for the many, many, many who have made so many sacrifices at this, point, at this place to really make us who we are. And that every week, Lord, every week, two, three, four, five people make a decision to follow you. Hundreds and hundreds of people have been baptized in water here. Marriages have been healed, Lord. Friendships have been developed. People are getting connected to you and to community in a way that's giving them hope. God, that's you. I don't, not for a second, Lord. Not for one second do I take any credit for any of that. It's you and it's what you've done. And I'm humbled by it. And humbled by what you've done through this place called East Point. And Lord, I know it's a sticky wicked money. I know there's some still frustrated that I talked about it again today. But Jesus, would you change our hearts? Would you help us to understand what's really going on? Would you help us to understand what you want to do in us and through us? And then make us bold. Make us sacrificial, generous givers who honor the kingdom above all, who seek first the kingdom of God. 
keep your head bowed and your eyes closed for a minute. Maybe you're here today. You've not yet started your life as Christ follower. Every week, there's a handful of people at least who say, yep, it's time for me to cross the line of faith. Time for me to begin my life as a Christ follower. Time for me to, to take advantage of the free gift of salvation God's offered to me. You might think it's somewhat ironic to offer this to someone on a weekend that you talk about money, but here's what you know already. Of course money matters. But it's just one piece of our life. It matters because you matter. You matter to God. If you get that today and you're ready to say yes to him and become a, a disciple of Jesus and to follow him, I'm gonna pray a very simple prayer right now. What I'm gonna ask you to do is just make my words, my prayer yours. I'm not gonna embarrass you, I'm not gonna single you out, but I am gonna ask you to make a choice, a conscious, intentional decision to say, yes, I need Jesus, I need a savior, I choose to follow him. He's already chosen you, you just have to accept his invitation. And if that's what you want, make this prayer yours right now. Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I get it, I need a savior, I need grace, I need your mercy. And so God, right here, right now, I surrender my life to you. You surrendered your son for me. I surrender my life to you. I'm gonna make you Lord. I'm gonna give you everything. I'm not all sure what that looks like, what that means. I, I got lots of questions still, but what I do know is that I need you and I want to follow you. And inside of me, every part of me right now says, God, thank you for loving me. And right now, I declare, I love you. I love you. I love you, Jesus. Now, if that's you, just say, yep, God, that's my heart. And that instant you do, that moment you say yes, you become his child forever. You're his. Your eternal destiny is settled. You're going to be with him forever. And you're gonna walk with him on this life forgiven. Not perfect, <laughs> not even close, but forgiven. Lord, thank you for those that have made that decision in this room, those making it watching online. Show them what this means, what you're gonna do. And I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. I'm gonna finish with uh, what's become one of my favorite songs, this declaration of love for him. Rather than scoot out of here, listen, Seahawks don't play for two hours. Hang, let's worship, let's finish a declaration song of Jesus, I love you. Sing it from your heart and I'll come back and wrap it up. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for listening to me. Thanks for being a part of this church. Before you leave, a couple of things. Uh, we've got a new life group brochures are out. We didn't hand them out to you today because we're getting plenty of other things, but they're on the tables. Connection's a big deal around here and they uh, mostly starting up right up the holidays. Still a couple of weeks left for our transform groups. Not too late, you can jump in any time of those as well. Pick one of these up. If you're a guest today or if this, uh, you've been here maybe just for a month or two and you haven't got one of these yet, back to the information table in the corner, uh, my first book that came out uh, with Tyndale is called Epic Grace Chronicles Recovery. I just want to give this to you. If you're uh, checking out East Point Night, you might as well know what kind of guy you're getting as a pastor, potentially. And he does say Chronicles of Recovering Idiots, so that's, that's important. You know that. And then uh, on the tables, by the doors as you leave, if you begin your life's Christ follower today, welcome. And uh, we're excited. We want to walk with you in this journey, and we want you to tell, let somebody know. And then there's a gift bag. It's got a Bible, uh, a book, and some material in here to get you started in your walk with Jesus. And then you need to sign up for that First Steps class we have on December 11th. Get baptized. Coming up soon. I hope you have a great Thanksgiving. We'll finish up the series next week, taking a look at David and Goliath and how to face and overcome giants in your life. But God bless you guys. Have a great Thanksgiving and stop praying for snow. Thanks for being here. <laughs>